Good morning. Baptized and called forth to bring justice. Last Sunday, Ron talked about looking back and looking forward in the light of Christ. I believe that one way to do that is to focus on the life of Jesus. And today's gospel reading gives us Matthew's version of Jesus' baptism, something that occurred at the beginning of his ministry. Considering the fact that all four Gospels include an account of Jesus' baptism by John, it is safe to say that we cannot overestimate the significance of this event. Jesus was, of course, one of many who were baptized by John. If we go back to the beginning of Matthew chapter 3, we see that John's message is one of repentance and the coming of the kingdom. So baptism was a sign of that repentance, a sign of a radical reorientation of life, a turning away from the old creation or the old order to a new creation, a new humanity, and a new order with new priorities and values. There is no doubt then that Jesus' baptism signified a genuine act of repentance, a renunciation of his participation in the old order into which he was born. Or, in the words of Ched Myers, a declaration of resistance. To quote another commentator, Jesus' baptism ends his participation in the structures and values of society. This interpretation of the significance of his baptism as renunciation and resistance to the old order is borne out by the fact that as soon as Jesus comes away from the Jordan at the end of chapter 3, we enter chapter 4, where he is led into the desert by the Spirit to be confronted by the ruler of that old world order, the devil. As a sign of repentance and resistance, Jesus' baptism was similar to all of the other baptisms administered by John. As we read in Matthew's account, however, it is clear that Jesus' baptism also means something very different from all of the others. This is evident in the exchange of words between John and Jesus right before he is baptized. No other baptism was accompanied by a dove and a voice from heaven saying, This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Only that of Jesus. As Gardner puts it in the Believer's Church Commentary, for Jesus, baptism is a rite of entry into his messianic calling. The voice of heaven echoes the words of the first verse that we read from the prophet Isaiah this morning. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. This is the first of the servant songs of Isaiah. And interestingly, later on in Matthew chapter 12, this same gospel writer quotes the entire song from Isaiah 42 
as the conclusion to part one of his gospel. So Jesus' baptism signifies repentance, renunciation, and resistance to the old order, but it also signifies his calling to fulfill the mission of the suffering servant of Isaiah, the people of Israel. Jesus' calling was the same as that of Israel in previous generations. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth. Jesus was baptized to renounce his participation in the old order of things and called to bring forth justice, to establish justice in the earth. Through baptism, we who are followers of Jesus have also renounced our participation in the old order. We, too, have accepted the call to bring forth justice. Back in early December, Ron preached a sermon entitled, Don't Be Afraid. And in that sermon, he referred to the question that John the Baptist asked of Jesus after John's arrest and imprisonment. The question appears in Matthew chapter 11. Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? John was facing death, and he wanted to make sure that he hadn't gotten it wrong when he baptized Jesus. He wanted to make sure that he hadn't misunderstood. He wanted to make sure that Jesus was, in fact, the one chosen by God. It is evident that whatever John had heard about Jesus didn't quite meet his expectations of the Messiah. Jesus responded to John's disciples by saying, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. These words of response echoed once again the prophet Isaiah, words that both Jesus and John were very familiar with. We don't know how John received Jesus' response to his question because Matthew doesn't tell us. But in chapter 11, in the following verses, after affirming John's role as prophet and messenger, Jesus says the following words. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. In later verses, he goes on to preach woe to the cities that rejected his call to repentance. And again, according to Gardner's commentary on Matthew, these words of Jesus convey a dark meaning. And I quote, God's reign is fiercely assailed by those who oppose its coming. Opponents like Herod, who executed John, and the Pharisees, who seek to destroy Jesus.
If East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church were to be asked, are you the ones who are called to preach repentance and bring forth God's kingdom of justice, how would we answer? I believe that we could respond confidently by sharing the signs of the kingdom among us. The hungry are being fed. The cold and homeless are being provided with shelter. The poor are being provided with affordable housing. The good news is being preached. People are being baptized. And prayers are being offered for many, including the people of Sudan. I praise God for these and many other signs of God's kingdom among us. I'm sure that you could name many more. But let's not be satisfied with where we are today. Being baptized and called forth to bring justice is risky business. Like John and like Jesus, if we continue to pursue God's justice in our neighborhoods and around the world, we too will face opposition and violence. We will ask not only how we can feed the hungry, but why people are hungry and unemployed in the first place. We will ask not only how we can provide the cold and homeless with shelter, but why they are cold and homeless. We will ask not only how we can provide affordable housing to those who need it, but why in the richest and most powerful nation on earth there are so many who can no longer afford housing or health care. We will ask why our prisons in the 21st century look more or less like the slave ships of the 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries. We will ask what is fueling conflicts in places like Sudan and Congo and Colombia and the Philippines and Haiti, just to name a few. We will ask why there is so much gun violence in our schools and workplaces and shopping centers and why the shooters are always men. We will ask why the objectification of and violence against women in our communities continue unabated. We will ask why acts of hatred and violence towards dark-skinned immigrants and towards our gay friends are on the rise. We will ask why the United States is in a permanent state of war. And when we ask all of these questions, we too will face violence and opposition. Yes, to be baptized and accept the call to bring forth justice means being willing to take risks. The God who risked Christmas by sending Jesus to give up his power and privilege to become one of us invites us to follow the same path. The God who called Jesus to baptism and then called him God's son, the beloved, the suffering servant called to bring forth justice, calls us to baptism and to bring forth justice in our world. For me, being baptized and called to bring forth justice means several things. First, while baptism may be a one-time event for most of us, in the words of Walter Wink, and I quote, 
Because the ego has been entangled with thousands of tendrils from the alienating system of domination, the process of dying to one's conditioning is never fully over. For me, that is an ongoing process of dying to my conditioning. As a middle-class, heterosexual white male in this society. Secondly, it means listening to the groans of others. And here I refer to a small booklet written by a South African priest, Trevor Huddleston, entitled Listening to the Groans. He refers in that book to Romans chapter 8, where the Apostle Paul talks about all creation groaning and about the spirit groaning on our behalf when we no longer have the words to say. Thirdly, I can only engage in this continual process of dying to my conditioning in the old order and being born to new life and the new order that brings forth justice the continual process of listening to the groans of others by remaining in and nurturing my relationship with God, my fellow human beings, and the rest of creation in the context of a concrete worshiping community like East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church. And I thank God for all of you. Bringing forth justice, like everything else that we do as Christians, is an act of worship. And so it is that later on in our service, we will pray once again the Lord's Prayer, where we will say the words, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Finally, there are no greater words of hope than the words of the Apostle Paul at the end of chapter 8 of Romans. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring my charge against who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine? or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, 
nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesus accepted the call to be baptized and bring forth justice, fully aware of the risks involved. Eventually, it cost him his life, But as Jesus himself taught, the one who loses his or her life finds it. We can think of others who have taken great risks in following Christ. A week from tomorrow, we will once again celebrate the birthday of Martin Luther King Jr., someone who engaged deeply in the struggle for justice and gave his life as a result. We can think of people closer to home, people we know, like Glenn Lapp, who was willing to give his life and who did give his life last year in Afghanistan. We can think of the young people who, leading up to the debate in Congress on the DREAM Act, took many, many risks young people who walked hundreds of miles to Washington, D.C., others who fasted and prayed in the offices of their senators or their congressional representatives. We talked about the DREAM Act a bit before Christmas, and I thank all of you for your prayers and also for your efforts to contact our representatives and senators to support the DREAM Act. Unfortunately, that DREAM Act did not pass. It passed the House, but not the Senate. What I know, however, is that those young people who worked so hard and who took so many risks see this as an ongoing struggle, and they are not giving up. Neither should we. Like the people of God in every generation before us, we too are called to be baptized. We, too, are called to continually resist and renounce the old order. We, too, are called at times to preach woe and repentance. We, too, are called to bring forth justice. Are you and I prepared to take the necessary risks? Are we, as a congregation, prepared to take risks? May the same Spirit who descended on Jesus at his baptism, descend on us, empowering us to bring forth God's justice. Amen.